0: world, and when we contribute on March the 1st, which is our first vision offering of the year, uh, the funds that we contribute will go toward things like that, but also uh, the things we contribute, the money we contribute on March the 1st, go toward um, ministries that are more in-house, that we don't often talk about or emphasize as much, but yet are still very, very important, and one of those ministries is our fuel a funeral meal Ministry. A number of years ago, Sheila Ferris and Ola Jones uh, thought, you know, we ought to really do nice things when people are going through the trauma of grief, when they've lost a loved one. And this morning, as we're talking about bearing burdens, one of the ways we can bear burdens is by providing a meal following the funeral service. And we don't just provide a meal, we offer a lot of loving care and a lot of personal touches. It's a home-cooked meal. It's a meal where we use real dishes. It's a meal where we, where we uh, have a warm and homey environment, flowers and tablecloths. And it's one way that we feel like we can reach out to and bless folks who've just, just lost a loved one. We have five teams that are involved in our funeral meal ministry. We have five, we have a number of leaders. Uh, Sherry Carr is a leader, Joanne Galbraith is a leader, uh, Pam Thorne is a leader, Vicki Working is a leader, and Barbara Allison is a leader, and they do marvelous jobs. Um, They have a team of people that work with them, and as a church, we provide the ham, and as um, people who are involved in the ministry, they provide the sides. And I've had the opportunity uh, to be at some of those meals and to see how well done it is. There's always just a wonderful personal touch, and I can't help but think it's one way that we're striving to bless others. And as you're seeing right now, that's, that's the apron that, that our ladies wear as they're serving the meal. And it says, serving you, serving him, and that's really how we view it. That when we serve others, we're in essence serving Jesus. And so this morning, I, would, I thought it would be good for us to hear from someone who has um, gone through loss and someone who has uh, had uh, been a part of a meal. And so Becky Hall, would you come for just a moment? Let's welcome Becky this morning. A little over a year ago, we lost Jeff, and boy, we love this couple so much. And Becky, we love you so much. Becky, could you just tell us a little bit about uh, what it meant to you, what this ministry means to you? and you're made 4,000 decisions, and the house is a mess, and you're trying to plan, you know, thinking of what you're going to do with everybody after the the service, it's such a blessing that we were able to... That was one thing that was taken off. That was a burden that was was lifted from my shoulders three (laughs) times. And it was... ways in in that Mm -hmm. respect as well and um, we couldn't be more blessed and loved and and again it's just one of the many ways that this church shows how much we love each other. Well Becky we love you thank you so much for sharing (laughs)
1: Car payments. Four years into a 30 year mortgage. Balances on a couple credit cards plus college for three kids on the horizon. Zero savings. I work long hours at a job that I hate. And despite all that, all I get is stress about how I can make more money. I take four pills at night for my back pain. Some days, getting up seems like too much. I struggle with dyslexia. I have high cholesterol. I overeat a little too often. I'm trying to get in shape. But it's never, I mean never enough. My dad died five years ago from cancer. I should have seen him more before he passed. Man, I miss him so much. Everyone expects me to be over it. But it's something that I still deal with daily. I haven't taken my wife on a date in four months. I practically forgot our anniversary. My kids need me when I get home. But it's late. I want to sleep. I spend my weekends at their functions. As if that's enough. All this, and I still resent my family. Because I have no time just for me! I can be amazingly selfish. I'm often angry seemingly for no reason. I struggle with lustful thoughts, none of which my wife understands. Nor do I for that matter. I'm good at some things, I'm great at nothing. I had dreams for my work and my family, and I abandoned them long ago. I think I'm a realist, and I come off as a pessimist. I feel restless knowing something is missing too many burdens. They're suffocating. And this is the weight I carry.
0: So every time I'm privileged to stand in this place and preach and look out at you, I realize that I'm speaking to people who are carrying heavy burdens. Every last one of us. And so that brings us to a passage of Scripture that we're going to drill down on for just a minute. It's Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, where Paul says simply there, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. The obvious truth from that passage is that as a church, the Lord is calling us to be burden bearers. We're not to be people who just look at what people are struggling with and going through, observe it, but rather we're called to be people, men and women, who come alongside. As folks are are carrying these heavy burdens, we're called to come alongside and help them carry those burdens. And one of the ways we do it is through our funeral meal ministry. And there's a specific example of this in our text today. In Galatians chapter 6, and verse 1, Paul talks about how sometimes we get caught up in sin. And when we get caught up in sin, those who are spiritual, men and women who are filled up with the Spirit, we're not to talk about someone who's caught in a sin. We're not to gossip about someone who's caught up in a sin. No, no, we're to come alongside men and women who are caught up in a sin. And, and one of the biggest burdens we carry is being caught in a sin. We're to come alongside and restore the brother or sister gently. Now, there's a contrast in the book of Galatians. And it's the contrast between the way of the Spirit and the way of the flesh. The way of the Spirit says, we're going to come alongside and help. The way of the flesh says, well, every man and woman for themselves. The way of the Spirit is unity and submission. The way of the flesh creates conflict. The way of the Spirit is is other-centered. The way of the flesh... Is very self-centered and so Paul says in that verse Galatians 6 2 we're to bear one another's burdens and when we do this we actually fulfill the law of Christ and I know the phrase the law of Christ brings red flags up in our minds because we think well the law is done away with the law is is set aside and yet Paul says that in actuality it's the law of Christ And it's the law of love. In fact, in Galatians 5.14, Paul tells us, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And one of the greatest ways we show love to others is helping a brother or sister shoulder a load. We can all agree, I think, that as spiritually minded men and women, men and women who are filled up with the Holy Spirit of God we're called to be burden bearers. That's what we do if we're walking according to the, to the Spirit. And Paul himself was a great burden bearer. Paul, Paul models for us what it means to bear others' burdens. And so he, he writes to churches and he says, there's a, a famine going on with, a, with certain churches and, and they need your financial help. Would you please send money so that we can bless them? Paul was constantly offering words and counsel that would help lift our loads. He knows how to bear burdens. But if we're going to be burden bearers, we must first learn to be burden sharers. While Paul was quick to come alongside and help others bear burdens, we also see in the ministry of Paul someone who was willing to, to share burdens. He was not afraid to express what he needed. And so Paul's in prison. And what does he do? He writes to the brothers and sisters and he says, would you be praying for me? I need your prayers. When Paul is coming to the end of his life in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he's lamenting how that Demas has deserted him. He's feeling very alone and very vulnerable in this moment. And so what does he say to Timothy? Timothy, I need you to come. Would you come please? Would you be with me? I I need you to bring my cloak. I need you to bring the parchments. Paul was willing to express a need that he had. Paul models for us what it means to not only bear burdens, but also to share burdens. Paul, in Paul's ministry, we see some vulnerability. You see, vulnerability leads to the real possibility of community. And yet I think one of the reasons we're hesitant to be vulnerable and open with one another is we somehow think vulnerability is associated with the idea of weakness. None of us wants to appear weak. None of us wants to look like we don't have it all together, like we're not perfect. And yet part of receiving strength and blessing from others is risking vulnerability. Brene Brown has probably written more than anyone on what she calls the power of vulnerability. She was once getting ready to speak to a group of leaders, and there were going to be some people who were going to sign her talk. And so the people who were doing the signing came to her and said, are there any words you're going to be using repeatedly that might be difficult for us to sign? And so she said, well, one of the words I'm going to use a lot is the word vulnerability. And so the person who was signing said, well, here's how I would sign vulnerability. And she did this. And Brene Brown said, well, what does that that mean? And they said, well, it means weak in the knees. And Brene Brown said, that's not how I'm defining vulnerability. That's not really what I'm talking about. And the person then said, well, there's another word that we use for vulnerability, another sign for vulnerability. And it's this. And Brene said, that's it. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So the question I asked this morning is, do we ever see vulnerability, this this idea of being open and transparent, do we ever see this in the ministry of Jesus? I think we can see it at least two places in his ministry. In John chapter 6, Jesus had said some things that were especially difficult for the disciples to hear. This was a hard teaching. And so many of the disciples were leaving him, and then Jesus looked at at the twelve, these men that he loved and was pouring his life into, and he said to them, are you going to leave me too? You can hear the vulnerability in the voice of Jesus there. You can hear his humanity. Are you going to leave me too? And Peter speaks for the twelve, and he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. It was a poignant moment in Jesus' ministry where we see him being extremely open with his disciples. There's another place that I can think of. It's later on in the ministry of Jesus. It's right before he goes to the cross. He's going to the Garden of Gethsemane. He takes his three closest disciples with him. He takes Peter, James, and John. And he says to them in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 38, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Think about this for a moment. Jesus says, I'm feeling overwhelmed. My soul, we've talked before about what the soul is. It's the deepest part of us. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And what happened in that moment, I think it drew his disciples even closer to him. There was some real strength that he received because he was willing to be vulnerable. Now, we're pretty good, I think, at bearing burdens. I mean, I, I look at our church and, and all the things we do and how we relate to one another, and it seems like we're, we're pretty good at bearing burdens, but friends, I think we've got some work to do with regard to sharing burdens. We're tempted, you see. We're tempted to be closed off and isolated with one another because we don't want to appear weak. We don't want to seem like we don't have it together. I know this is something I struggle with. See, right there, I'm being vulnerable with you. I struggle with this idea of being vulnerable, and yet in those moments in my ministry life when I've seen people become more vulnerable with one another, it's amazing. It's it's there that God begins to do incredible things. I'll never forget when I was preaching in Georgia. My youth minister was preaching that Sunday morning. He and I had met together that week, and we talked about his sermon, and right before he... He gets up to preach, he comes to me and he says, Kevin, he said, you know that stuff we talked about, you know, that's, uh, I'm, I'm just not feeling it. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? I'm just not feeling that. So I'm, I'm gonna go another direction, do something else. So I think, oh, okay. And so I'm sitting in the balcony with my family, we're worshiping and my youth minister gets up to preach and it's really more confession than sermon. And he stands in front of that church and he talks about something he had been struggling with. It wasn't that he was leaving his wife. It wasn't anything like that. It had to do with a, a thing that he was really addicted to. And it was really messing with his life. And he got real kind of specific with it. And he said, I just, I just need your prayers. He said, in fact, Kevin, I want you to come and I, I want, I'm going to respond and I want you to take my response. So I hustled down the steps and I came down front and my youth minister walked up front and and I, I took his response. Now, I just said, if, if anybody else is, you know, wants to respond in any way, we'll sing this song. And as we started singing that song. I mean, people just started responding. It was crazy. Just people just in droves just started responding. And I'm, I'm getting the cards, and I'm writing stuff down, you know, and, and, and I'm getting ready to, you know, going to pray for them. And I'll never forget, it was one of those holy moments You know, the the whole room, it was quiet, and you just felt like God was doing some incredible things in that moment that began with a minister's own sense of vulnerability. And so as I had these cards, I I was walking back up to the uh, front to, to read them, and I got about up to the last step. My right foot gets the word to step up. My left foot does not, and I tripped and fell. I did a face dive in the pulpit area. And you know the interesting, and I stand up, you know, I've got a carpet burn on my forehead, you know, I'm a little stunned. But you know the amazing thing is no one no one laughed. The moment was too holy. And I got up and I I prayed for all the people who responded. It was amazing what God was doing in that moment because of someone's openness and sense of vulnerability. After that service, I had one of my deacons come up to me, and he said, Kevin, you know, I've always been nervous and afraid about getting in front of, of people and, and talking or speaking. he said, you've taken that fear away from me. I want you to know. But see, when we take the step of, of being vulnerable, it's then, it's then that God can begin to work and people find a sense of help. You see, none of us should have to bear our burdens alone. There needs to be sharing, and as a result, caring is expressed. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we ought to just sort of overshare or share inappropriately. I mean, all of us have probably seen people do this in social media, you know, or all of us maybe have been in conversations with someone, and you're thinking five minutes into this, you know, this relationship is not that deep. Too TMI, too much information. We've, We've been in that situation. But here's what I do know. Everyone needs someone with whom they can truly be open and vulnerable and honest. Everyone needs someone who will come alongside and help bear our burdens. I remember when I was struggling with a heavy weight of my wife struggling with cancer. I will always be grateful for the way God brought Owen Mitchell Ed Brady and Steve Stewart into my life. I didn't know these men until my wife was diagnosed with colorectal cancer. And at that moment, God just began to bring these men into my life, and the one thing we had in common was their wives had passed away because of some form of cancer. And they came alongside and they helped me bear a burden that was just it was just too heavy to bear alone. I'll never forget one day when when my wife was going through chemotherapy and it was an especially difficult day. It was a hard day. And after we left the chemotherapy suite and we'd gotten home, I... I went and I called Steve Stewart. I just felt like I needed to talk with someone who had been there, someone who'd gone through what I was going through presently. And I called Steve, and I I began describing what I was feeling and what I was going through, and as I was talking to him on the phone, it's crazy, I just began to immediately begin to cry and to weep and to sob. And although Steve didn't say a lot, just the fact that I was speaking to someone who understood just being able to speak with him helped me in a way i can't fully describe helped me bear that heavy load and so at college hills we're trying to create environments where transparency and openness and as a result real community can develop and so in just a few moments i'm going to extend an invitation we'll have a couple of elders and their wives in the very back you know most sundays people don't respond to an elder it's kind of rare But as I've said before, I want us to imagine this as as a time of ministry, a time when if if you're struggling with a a burden, something that's really heavy, and you just need someone to pray and listen, the elders and their wives will be in the very back, and they would love to do that with you. I can speak for all the ministers. I know they're probably nervous about now what I'm going to say, but I can speak for all the ministers when I say, we care for you, and we want to be there, we want to We want to help you bear your burdens. We want to listen and pray with you and help, and we're always available. On Sunday nights, we've created life group environments, and these are wonderful environments for a a level of transparency to, to occur we imagine that our our small groups, our life groups are more than just just a Bible study. I don't want to say just a Bible study. Studying the Bible is, is really important and really significant, but we want these to be rich environments where you can have a level of honesty and transparency with one another and as a result, get help. And if you're carrying a heavy burden, some other good people can come alongside you and help carry those burdens. And see, when we do that, Understand, we're fulfilling the law of Christ, which is the law of love. Jesus is the ultimate burden bearer. Isaiah the prophet, when he was writing about this this one who would come in Isaiah chapter 53, he helps us to see there's going to come one, the Messiah, and one of the things the Messiah would do is that he would bear our greatest burden the thing that oppresses us more than anything else, our greatest burden, the thing that crushes us more than anything else is at the root of all of our other burdens. He's going to bear the burden of sin. And according to Isaiah 53, verse 4, he's going to take up our pain and he will bear our suffering. And then Jesus begins his ministry. And Jesus offers all of us this wonderful invitation. Jesus says, Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What a wonderful invitation, and what a beautiful promise. This morning, if you're struggling with weariness, if if you're struggling with a burden that you can't bear alone, come to Jesus. And Jesus says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you with that, and I'm going to give you rest. Oh, that's one of the things that sin does. It absolutely wears us out. Jesus says, I'll take your sin, and I'll give you rest. So I'm wondering this morning, Why anyone wouldn't take Jesus up on his offer? If you're struggling with with sin, if your burden is a relational burden, if your burden is something related to your children or something related to your work or something related to your health, I want you to know we have some brothers and sisters in the very back and they would love to pray with you. They would love to help you. I'll be down front. I would love to help you as we sing this next song of encouragement, if you need help in any way, come as we stand.